previously on Hop Heroes. This week we're talking a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Only fitting, you know, to go along with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is the most interesting man in the world. So we're drinking Dos Equis. So it's it, it smells like a like a vacation. Yeah, so Volume One is they're kind of like they're putting together this. Uh, this team to fight for the crown, like the British Empire. You no, know, he came up with these main characters, Mina Murray, Alan Quartermain, Holly Griffin, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and then Captain Nemo. A school of like a girls only school, and multiple, many of them have referenced that they've had immaculate uh, conceptions. So bad. Reality, and Alan Moore's fucking like realistic dark mind, that's not a ghost or that's not higher power, it's a dude that's invisible raping all these women, which is what it is. And the movie doesn't even truly reflect the storyline. Like. There is Moriarty in there, but he's the Phantom, and like they added Tom Sawyer and Dorian Gray, which were never in the books. And <laughs> Tom Sawyer <laughs> just fucking threw Tom Sawyer in there, and he's uh, Shane West a from fucking remember. A Walk to Remember. Yeah, just, he, he seems to always find his way in these episodes. I'm not sure how. With his stupid hair. tough to watch particularly now that we watch it but you know 2003 when it came out i mean i think you're right they were trying to gain a certain audience and they wanted to gain a certain type of uh budget uh, box office dollar amount i think is what they wanted to do and changing a lot of the characters and how you feel about them i didn't read extraordinary gentlemen from back then but if i had and then watched the movie i would have been very angry about yeah there's a lot to be there's a lot to be upset about yeah but i I will say i will say uh dr jekyll and mr hyde uh, I felt like that was like a high point in the, in the comic as well, dude. Doctor yeah. Jekyll, Mister Hyde. That character was so interesting, like just such yeah. an interesting character because he would turn into Mister Hyde, but you could still communicate with him. Like yeah. he wasn't like just a blubbering monster. I mean, he still had like no, he was smart. Yeah, he still had points to make, and they still and and there's one scene in particular when Will like he's holding Wilhelm's uh hand because Wilhelm is like slapping Doctor Jekyll around to try to get him to turn into uh Mister Hyde, yeah. and um basically Wilhelm is like please let me go, and he's just like looking at her, and I don't know, it's it, I, I, this like stuck with me because it's a way to create tension in comic books that I feel like you'd much easier be able to do much easier in a movie because you can just kind of deadpan that shot and just hold it there and then let the actors do it but instead um what they did is they did like four panels of just nothing of just them staring at each other while he's holding her hand and you just like go through those panels and as you go through the panels you can feel the tension like building and then he just lets her go it's like (laughs) i don't know i thought that was just like a small thing but i thought that was like a cool way to like uh, uh explain the tension in the scene 
Yeah, no, for sure. It's a complicated character because, you know, Jekyll is this, like, genius, obviously. He created the serum. He's also a fucking pussy. And that's what yeah, I'm to do. He's very meek. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of his skin color is even Banner. funny. Do you think Bruce Banner is based off of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yes. That yes. kind of makes me like the Hulk less, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, he's it's like just... a, almost a direct, direct, it's exactly like, the same. Yeah. draw from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. And uh, I feel great. I, I definitely, <laughs> I do like it because like Hyde was like he was cognitive, right? He could think, but he was fucking murdering prostitutes. Like he was eating people. Like he, yeah, he no, knew what he, he was, was doing. Yeah, he was a fucking and monster. He's, he's vicious and he accepts it. And yeah. he always has this affiliation with uh, Mina. And it's he he's he says he talks about it in volume two. I don't know if he talked about it in volume one. But he's like trying to figure out why he has an affiliation towards her and if it's love. But he thinks that he's actually appreciates her because she's the only thing he's ever come across that wasn't afraid of him like she mm. stood up to him she slapped him in the face she did whatever and she was she just didn't fear him and like he didn't want to kill the one thing that wasn't afraid of him and that was kind of his thought process there so he has like in an affliction about it yeah mm. yeah yeah and, and, and eventually everybody i think falls in love with mina besides i mean probably the invisible man does but he doesn't fucking act on it he actually beats her ass in volume two it's kind of yeah. Talk about dark. <laughs> yeah. It gets worse. Ass, it gets punches worse. her in the stomach, makes her throw up, and then he's like, you're a fucking, like, stuck-up, insignificant tart. Say it. And she's, like, crying in her throw up and, like, I'm a fucked-up, insignificant, whatever tart, <laughs> and, like, shoves her face in her puke and walks off. Ew. It's, like, just yeah. brutal. Volume 2 gets a little bit crazier as you get through it. I know yeah. that. Um, yeah, let's man. talk about the, who they're chasing in the first volume, though. They're chasing uh, Moriarty, right? James Moriarty. Yeah. yeah. And, um, one of the things I do like about it is that he references all these kind of different um, literature greats, obviously. And obviously Sherlock Holmes is one of the greats. And um, the waterfall scene is one of the most famous waterfall scenes ever, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When yeah. he fights Moriarty and that's the in there. Final, the final showdown, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, or the final showdown. It's uh, The Final Problem. That's the, yeah. the book he's from. And um, I, 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 it was kind of a sad thing to me because I thought I was going to be able to see Sherlock Holmes a little bit more. Like maybe even get involved. Like even though this is so old, I, I, that child part. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. yeah and I'm like <laughs> – and it's it's the wrong thinking, but you're like, man, Sherlock Holmes is gonna get involved in this. Like he's gonna come back alive, or he's gonna show up because they never find his body, obviously, in the book. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought he was gonna be like part of the extraordinary gentleman. You know what I mean? Because do you you read you reading this book and you're and like you're thinking Quartermain is gonna be that character for you? You know that strong man character that can say you know that has like maybe superpower, super intelligence, super power. He's got none of those things. He just, for some reason, seems to manage his, his way through the story. And he like, just, he just like barely scrapes by. I feel like in yeah, in it, all of his action scenes, he just barely it, makes it through. He's not. Yeah, and they make him a god in the movie. Like he's yeah. indestructible. And he's yeah, in the movie, him. he's like this super powered, almost in, in, invincible character. He's and blessed the, by which I feel like was another mistake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, yeah. And in the book, he's like this weak. I mean, he leans on on uh, Mina quite a bit, and you know he and like in fact, yeah, I does. mean, he's just basically like, <laughs> and you yeah, find out he more. Does. He just basically <laughs> follows her around, and he's addicted to drugs, and he's. I mean, but I was the like, one time he's supposed to watch for her when they're looking for Hyde. He's supposed to be the lookout, and he sees yeah. like a pharmacy, and he goes into the pharmacy and gets his fucking fix. Right, he's like fails. Yeah, and so. Yeah. He's kind of like very... the, the, the screw-up of the group, honestly. Yeah. 
they're all fucking screw ups, but he's like the most pathetic, I would say, and he he probably has the most moral like standing, but he's right. also the weakest. Yeah, just, he didn't do the the wrong. He didn't do like the wrong. Like, well, at least in his eyes, like he didn't purposely do wrongs in his past. Like he may have done wrongs, but accidentally or by mistake or because he was addicted to drugs or something. But um, yeah, he's a victim. Yeah, so I was kind of hoping for that Sherlock Holmes to replace Quartermain. I'm like, maybe he's gonna come in and and show them how it's done. And obviously that didn't happen. <laughs> and you read through <laughs> the book and you're like, okay, this is taking me a different place. Thank you, Ellen Moore. Um, but yeah, yeah that's that was kind of cool. I thought seeing seeing that that storyline in there a little bit. Do you guys yeah, have a favorite character from Volume One? From Volume One, yeah. Um, I I actually liked um, Wilhelmina quite a bit actually she was like the fearless leader yeah she's a savage yeah Yeah. she's a badass she had no superpowers whatsoever she had no fighting skills whatsoever she never went vampire like she goes full vampire in the movie and she never goes vampire in the book i was waiting for that vampire in volume two no no she gets her ass kicked by the invisible man and cries and throws up in her puke she has no powers whatsoever like she just Hmm. leads them like into danger that's and that's probably what's the coolest part about her she has no absolute skills other than that she is a woman with determination uh smart fearless fearless, and she's willing to lead these band of uh assholes really and Hmm. into danger and she's the first and one in line i think that's probably why Hyde. i think partly loves her or admires her or whatever because Hmm. she's the one in the front but she's the Mm -hmm. one with the least amount of threat Mm-hmm. to her to anybody so yeah i mean i think she's very smart she's brave as shit um, yeah and she also can wield her sexuality to a point where like she can like create fellowship to an extent right which is an advantage and and but she yeah i think that she's been through so much with like facing dracula and shit that she just like what else is there you yeah she doesn't fear anything else because i feel like she's already faced like one of the most terrifying things you ever could you know 100%. yeah yeah no they point that in volume out in volume two where why when Hyde's talking to her about why he she thinks he doesn't fear because he's seen she's seen something worse than him and she yeah. and she touches her neck her her scarf and she goes yes i have mm. and you're like oh man i, I want i want to see that storyline like you know what i mean that ba- like yeah well you, you read jacko she's in it yeah in the og mm. yeah. um I think my favorite character, as fucked up as it is, is Griffin, the Invisible Man. Makes sense. And it's just thanks, bro. Uh, it's just <laughs> he's fucking terrible dark. Person. He's dark, terrible. terrible person. But he's also got this entertaining wit to him that I feel like if it wasn't in the story, the story would be so dry. And like he adds a little quip here and there. And I always love the sarcastic. I love the Chandler being a friends. You know, I love the fun characters there. Um, but he has one <laughs> line that I wrote down that I thought was hilarious. He like. Uh, murders a policeman to steal his outfit so he can sneak into the operation. Dude, when he did that, I was like, why? What are you doing? What are you doing? Why would you put on those clothes, you freaking idiot? He's like walking through a crowd and he's just like completely invisible with his face, but he's wearing a hat. Like, yeah, just, just, just floating, be naked. Just hat. walk through the crowd. And uh, he gets back to the fucking the league and they're all like, why would you murder a policeman? And he goes, he goes, oh heavens, he's harmed a poor policeman. Well, forgive me. I'd rather thought we were a covert military unit, but it seems we're instead a knitting circle. <laughs> fucking like, like I love that scene so around. much because as I was reading it, I was like, "What the fuck? Why would you? Why would you put those clothes on?" And then he gets back to the Nautilus, and the other characters are like, "What the fuck? Why would you put those clothes on?" So like they like had the exact same reaction that I did, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, all right, that that was good." Yeah, no, I I just thought he was the most entertaining. I'm not saying he's the best person or anybody I would ever model my myself after, but I thought that uh, without him, I would have been uh, much more, much less intrigued by the book. And it had the darkest side of it, but also had the most like entertaining side of it. Mm-hmm. 
What about he you, was Zach? entertaining. He he did bring like the the dark level down darker for sure. Like, <laughs> it, like cause it's not like he, he everything that he did was by choice. And and it like I said, he totally reminded me of that Ted Bundy thing because he knew like that he once he went invisible that he could do whatever he wanted the freedom of morality the freedom of of people judging him he just turned into something that um that he he couldn't control and mm-hmm. conquering the world like uh, uh alan moore talked about him like the, his aspirations is to conquer the world like and he does a lot of things like in the second volume um he does a lot of things there to to like affirm his his thought process and his ability to just not be able to control his impulses were like the top of his like he didn't care he just once he went invisible his impulses took over and he didn't care like he he did whatever he wanted and that's kind of scary when you read and that that's kind of the part of the book that you're like man what the heck am i reading here and well at the same time though i feel like what alan moore thinks and what he sees when he writes a a character like the invisible man in in his story or at least his rendition of the invisible man is that like with ultimate freedom basically this is the nature that i see humanity as in this character is invisible so they have no repercussions for actions so this is who i think you'd end up if you had no repercussions for your actions like it's kind of like him him making a statement on what he thinks human nature is as a whole like he's like right this guy like he's gonna murder people he's gonna rape people he's gonna be an awful human being because he has no repercussions for what he does and i think that absolutely a a character with that power uh you know gives the writer the a chance to to make that type of statement i think that's what alan moore thinks And, and you know i mean we could argue about the merits of that left or right but i mean at the end of the day that's that's alan moore's take and you know it's cool to see it i think Absolutely. And if you notice, I notice like if you look around whenever they're in like a city or like a like a populated area, the other people that aren't them are freaking monsters. They're hideous. Yeah, they're like ugly. the townspeople, like every single person outside of like a character that's a part of the story is hideous. And I feel like that's another trope to how Alan Moore sees society. Oh, wow. how gross, how gross yeah. people really are. Like mm-hmm. it was something that I was like, oh, my God, like they look like they're fucking like <laughs> like monstrous. And, and it's like, oh, that makes sense. He thinks people are sick and dark and twisted on the very, right. very inside. And I feel yeah. like that's probably a lot of, you know, self-reflection on Al Moore's part, too. Right. Yeah. What about you, Zach? You got a so, yeah, so my, my favorite character is Captain Nemo, and I think it might have something to Savage. do with the fact that uh, I, I actually just recently read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, so that was, like, a cool thing to see him in, in a different light. Yeah. Um, because Captain Nemo is like a really interesting character in that in that story, uh, he's he's very much um, looked up to. Like the the uh, protagonist writes about Captain Nemo as if he's like a fucking god, like a hero to him. Um, but ultimately, Captain Nemo like tries to trap him and kill him. Um, and he's like very science minded. And I think the way that they portrayed him in the in the um, the comic was really cool because he, normally he's like very like he stands up straight and he doesn't like talk a lot and you know he's kind of just that gruff type of dude but then he can like flip, but and then he builds shit like he's super fucking genius science and he had he built that like mm-hmm. gatling gun harpoon thing that and was dope. Yeah. um my favorite scene dude my favorite favorite scene is when they get into that room with like a bunch of people there's like a ton of people in the room and uh captain nemo 
uh, is, is everybody get down. And then he like pushes uh, Mina down and then just starts unloading his Gatling gun on this entire crowd. And then he says, um, come forward, come forward, men of England, tell the gods that Nemo sent you. And it's, as he's just like, just unloading into this crowd of people. It's like, yeah, dude, it's like, oh my God. I just, I just feel like that scene is like that scene alone is like, oh Jesus, it's, it's cool. So I I thought, I thought Nemo was, was a beast. That scene is what I wanted in Rogue One when the dude, like, you know, you know, Rogue One where he has like that big, I wanted him to have that scene and he just died. He got shot a couple times and then shot and died. I'm like, nah, dude. I we need you to like berserk mode, but that's that's a whole nother. That was another <laughs> big disappointment. Oh, I agree. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, man. Nemo is a savage because he has the intelligence and the confidence, um, and he is like a silent leader. I mean, Mina's obviously the leader in the story, but like right. he, if it weren't for him, like they'd be so worldly fucked. He's their transportation. He's their equipment. He's yeah. their knowledge. Like, yeah, he's like the heart of the team. I would think, and he's got. Like the suave, confident, like subtlety about him, but when he wants to go berserker, mm-hmm. he'll fucking go berserker and just murk. How did they everybody. do Nemo in the movie? I haven't seen the movie in, in a long time. I didn't get to watch it before this episode. He was kind of a he wasn't a puss. I don't want to say that. Like he did fight. He he like had like a sword fight and like fucked people up. He's like, like there's one point where they're all shooting each other and like somebody yells and pull out your gun. And he goes, I live my life a different way or something. He pulls out a sword and fucking murks everybody and it was okay, but. It was nowhere near, like, it, it also didn't reflect on any of his dark past, which I feel like the book could have done a better job of, too, honestly, because I don't mm. really feel like I got any of that, but he was he was just, like, a smart, kind of in-the-background dude that... Not as cool, then. No, no. And the fucking, the Sword of the Sea was not as cool. Like, the shit that they had, like, the Nautilus in the fucking comic was just, it was almost like War of the Worlds, with all the tentacles coming out and grabbing shit, like... In Volume 2, they fight the aliens from War of the Worlds, and it's like those tentacles are grabbing people and shit, and it's very mm-hmm. similar to the boats or the submarines, so it almost, like, kind of clashes. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of shit in Volume 2. I, I actually think I like Volume 2 better than Volume 1, and mm. um, it's much more uh, action, I would say. Well, not really. I mean, there, there was that big showdown in Volume 1, but there were a couple things that I liked about it. Uh, Hyde was Hyde the entire time. Like, you never even see Jekyll. Nope. He's nice. just Hyde. Yeah, yeah they. I think is dope. in the beginning they ask like when did it even change like because I think he was at the very beginning at the common when the uh the spaceship fell to Earth, yeah. and he yeah. all of a sudden he's just Jekyll and they're mentioning like when did he <coughs> even change into Hyde like what happened <laughs> and he never yeah. went back he never went back yeah and basically they split up so like uh, Quarterman and Mina are going to find I think they're going to find like some like way to destroy these alien ships meanwhile uh nemo and hyde and uh griffin are like trying to fight off these ships and, and griffin actually kind of sleeks out of the back and you find out griffin's actually helping the aliens and trying to team up with the the, the enemy. yeah he does He's this like, little thing i thought was really cool um and he talked about how he was communicating to them in a very weird like very like i would say old time style like, like in cave the, drawings yeah, yeah cave drawings same. and yeah. i i think i i think i should read it because i think it one, one of these things these aliens if anybody like now that we're in volume two these aliens um look they're a slash between world of the worlds and independence day so if anybody has like a curious kind of what they look like um yeah their ships look like world of the world but their actual bodies look like uh, the aliens from Independence Day and they're like nasty and 
gooey like mucus yeah and tentacles and they don't say nothing they just communicate via probably telepathically or something and um the scene that we're talking about where he this is where griffin i i mean we're talking a lot about him so he's obviously one of the more interesting characters is where he his um he wants like his aspirations is to take over the world at any cost like that's what he wants and he's i mean you're going through these panels and he's talking to the you know he's all of a sudden you just see like dead bodies a lot of dust a lot of ashes and then these brain slash alien looking things and all of a sudden he says you hear a laugh that <laughs> you know kind of laugh <laughs> yeah and he then, sees that tragic shit and he giggles. yeah and he just giggles and he says good evening like he's starting a, a news radio good evening and um <laughs> and he, like, the, the creatures kind of do this like sound like right and yeah. uh there now don't get upset i'm i'm going to draw you a picture is what he says and he goes there's there's something even lumps of afterbirth like you should understand and i mean he's criticizing these things like he's the better superior uh, being that like they flew here on a spaceship but yet he's superior to them and he's drawing these little circles like planets he goes see there's the sun then there's the there's mercury venus earth and mars he goes out of earth comes us chaps right (laughs) and he draws a little stick figure on on the third planet from the sun and he goes out of mars comes you chaps and he draws like a little circle with little tentacles coming out like like yeah Yeah, it looks like an upside down jellyfish yeah and and then he goes to say now here's me and he draws two. He draws another stick figure. He goes, "I'm one of those us chaps." And he goes, "But you can't see me." So then he erases the stick figure, mm-hmm. and he goes, and then he laughs again. He goes, "He he he," you know, right? Kind of almost like a Joker <laughs> laugh. And he goes, "Now here's what I yeah, think." You're, you're a little too good at that, Jr. I'm. I know, right? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> now here's what I think. You're going to give mankind a good dusting down. He goes, "You're going to win." And he laughs again, right? The, that little laugh and he goes with me <laughs> and he's it's got like he's, Mario uh, yeah, he's, he's standing in front of the t- <laughs> he's standing in front of the, the the caveman art that he's drawn and he goes with me so far you're going to rule the earth he goes look I've drawn a little afterbirth above the earth ruling it and he draws uh, them again the upside down jellyfish he goes you see just there next to me he goes you're going to rule the earth next to me I mean, he's he's literally telling these superior next beings next to me is like next bolded. to me, like yeah. I am your equal, and you're going to rule the earth. And I thought that was the creepiest scene out of mm. really any comic book I've read so far, because of how simplistic, but yet how evil. Like he was like, "I'm Hitler. This is how I'm going to rule the world, and you're going to help me." Mm, and yeah. um, I thought that was a pretty cool scene in that in the volume too. So hopefully, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. really nailed that, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No, that was good. <laughs> That's our skit gets, for the day. That's my skit for the day. <laughs> yeah. You killed it, it man. Gets, it, gets, uh, it gets gruesome in volume two, and and, uh, and obviously the, the, at the center of it is Griffin being his, his slide shitty self, and, and and he's like looking through papers of Nemo's, and I think that's when Mina walks in on him, and that's when he beats the shit out of her. And uh, Hyde doesn't take too, too kindly to that, because Hyde has this affiliation with Mina. Yeah, and the the entire story it set up set it up in, in volume one is he can see Griffin mm-hmm. hide because yep. he could see the heat, 
Yep. It's kind of like the, the Predator, where he sees... Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's never revealed to Griffin. And he holds it. Like, he holds... He has his, his cards, plays them close to his chest. He never lets it lets it, let, lets, lets it out. That's why and I then, think Hyde uh, is interesting, because he's, like, this big brute, but he's still smart enough to not say anything about that. Right. Like, right. That's, like, a cunning move. You know what I mean? Right. He's not dumb. And so, one thing... Spoiler alert. We're going to go into spoiler show. One thing to know about, uh, about Griffin is he's invisible while he's alive. Um... But when he if when he passes, he becomes visual. So like in the book, when he was getting beat by all these cops, he was invisible. But when he finally died, it scoped out. And there's this withered, beaten body, so you could see it. So uh, Griffin sneaking around Hyde's lair, trying to find some information. And Hyde's sitting there in his jacket, and he like says, "Oh hi, Griffin," and he like freezes. And he's like, "No, I can see you. I've always been able to see you." And he's like, oh, well, I'm just, uh, you know, he's like trying to like find a way to get out of it. He walks over and grabs him and goes, is this your arm? And like snaps it over his knee. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. That was your leg. I'm sorry. And then fucking hides or Griffin's like pleading for mercy and help. And he just gets, puts him on his knees and bends him over. He goes, you know, I kind of like life. Is this life? Is this what life's all about? And fucking just pulls his pants down and just fucking rapes Griffin. And it doesn't show anything. It shows him pulls his pants out and it zooms out and it goes, shows the building goes, this is life. And then he's just fucking raping him. And it's awesome because the next scene that it shows Hyde, he's just in his suit, casually eating dinner with Nemo and everybody, talking about like what he le- why he likes big and bold foods. And then all of a sudden he starts blood starts appearing on his chest. And Nemo goes, Hyde, you're wounded. He's like, Oh, that's not me. That's Griffin's. He must have finally just passed in the other room. And then like he just keeps going about food and he's talking and Nemo like is like, What? And he runs to the other room to see what happened. And like Every panel, blood just starts pouring and pouring all over the tablecloth and all over because he's just smothered in Griffin's blood. And it never shows Griffin's body, but Nemo like comes back like, what the fuck is the matter with you? I'm going to fucking kill you. Like he was like just appalled by what he saw in there. And if you think about it, it's this giant beast raping this little man. And so all this blood that was just pouring all out is exactly what happens if that were to happen. So... That's oh how Griffin. Oh my god, the I have not read any of that. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, bro. Dude, it gets gnarlier in the in volume two. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you. It gets fucked up. And I, even though Griffin was my favorite part of the story, like that was exactly what he deserved. And it was fucking awesome. And I loved it. And and, and there's some other gruesome parts that aren't they're supposed to be grotesque to an extent, but they're not like gory. Like finally, uh JR, did you see the scenes where Mina and and Quartermain bang out? Uh, yeah, I saw old man and a young woman. So it's it's fucking gross. Like it's disgusting. It's like and like wrinkled bags of nothing. Yeah. So she basically like takes him to her. They're trying. They're portraying a married couple like they did in the first volume. And like he's like kind of confused. Like why are we going up to the bedroom? Like I have, like if I have to sleep on the floor again, I'm gonna I'm an old man. She's like. Who said he had to sleep on the floor? And like it's all sexy, like takes wink, the clothes wink. off. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, I, I don't like. I'm an old, like I'm, I'm way too old for you. Like I've, I've, I've forced thoughts out of my head because it was wrong. She goes, I've been admiring you since I was a kid. I used to picture you in bed with me when I was reading your books. So don't think it's wrong. It's something that we've always, and we're both, everything we've done in our lives is wrong. So what makes this any more wrong? Basically, whatever. And so it shows everything. Like she gets naked, he gets naked. She's like this good-looking girl, young. He's this old, wrinkled fucking corpse. And like, they start going at it, and he's like licking her nipples and everything. It's <laughs> nasty. But he like he gets to a point where he can't keep going. He's like, I'm too tired. I'm sorry. I have to stop. And so she goes, get on your back. And then she gets on top. And like it's like she just like is like forcing basically because she she just needs to get hers. You know, she's been, it's been a while. And uh, 
it's fucking like it's really like grotesque but at the very end like after every uh issue like not the whole like volume but there's six issues in a volume you know and uh, right. uh alan moore always has a little like segue into like the next volume and like kind of like to pump you up to want to buy the next one and this one was my favorite it's just they just finished and she uh he sees like the uh, scars on her neck because her her scarf came down so she gets all self-conscious and rolls over to her side he rolls over to his side because he just basically lay there like a dead fish and was terrible and so it's just like this awkward ending to the to the issue and then alan moore goes gays children on the unhappy fornicators in their sorry best of sin and resolve to learn from their shameful example should this dismal moral lesson fail to persuade you to lifelong abstinence fear not for there shall be another such fierce instruction in our next socially responsible number <laughs> and what? that's when Griffin gets raped and then fucking killed. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so once again, Alan Moore ceases to amaze. Just uh, he's the, an amazing, amazing. Takes writer. The, takes he's the out of his mind. He's absolutely out of his mind. It's fucking incredible. Just takes the ugliness and puts it on full display. That's fun. <laughs> um so one thing I wanna talk about is is Alan and the 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 Sundered Veil, which is the little story in between. If you if you guys bought, if everybody if anybody buys the League of Sorting tournament, I, we recommend the uh, Omnis edition because it gives you both volumes in one. It kind of gives you some side stories in there. Um, yeah, it's very similar to like Under the Hood on yes. uh, Watchmen. Right? Yes, it's like those yeah, little... exactly. And yeah. um, it kind of gives. There's like uh, in volume two where Quartermain he's like. They're going through this. It started in the beginning. This tragedy with the aliens starting to trying to conquer Earth, and he's like, "I feel like I've I've dreamt about this or something." And he's like, "I dreamt like," I, and then he says it again. He goes like, I "Had a dream," and he was referencing the Alan and the Sundered Veil, where he visited a, a woman who thought she was um, she was dead, and this is where he takes the drug Tudaki, and where the drug allows you to travel through time. Your body stays where it's at, convulsing, because you just took this major drug. But it allows his subconscious to travel from present to past and throughout the world. And he does his exploration. And if you guys uh, listen to or watched our feed, that's where I got that piece of uh, poetry from. And this whole book, um, it's really, it's. I recommend you read it if you, you can read it by yourself without the book, without the volumes. But um, it's like a pure poetry book from beginning to end and it's like five or six chapters of of him if Quartermain going through this explorer uh like mind it's like he took mushrooms and he like went into like hallucination but he's actually traveling through time and, and space with these other group of people that had did the same thing it took the, some form of drug or something and that's where the Tuduki comes in and in, in an interview with alan moore he talked about where he took that that's probably what led him he goes why wouldn't it if he goes if he took that this is before at league of the extraordinary gentleman by the way um he goes if he was a, if he was willing to take that he goes what what made people think that he wasn't going to automatically go into opium and into that drug and wind up where he wound it up he goes this was like the mm the reason that he he took start taking drugs and it changed his mind and his perspective on 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 life so um it's a really good good thing the to gateway. read gateway it's a really good thing to <laughs> a gateway into drugs and gateway into alan quartermine's mind and his adventures um but it was a, it's an interesting it's a great story i mean it, it it's it's like a book but it's scaled like a book but it's it's a, an amazing thing to read and um 
I was engulfed in that. I mean, I, I reread things. I read. I, I mean, it took me longer to read the book than normal because I just read read it a couple times. But the fact that yeah, um, it's in there and you're just like, whoa, that was beautiful. Like he's talking about something something gross and violent, but yet he he puts it in these beautiful words, and you're like, all right, Alan, thank you. Mm. I'm I've just I got a little better. But yeah, so I, I wanted to bring that up <laughs> before we better. end it. I got a little better. Um, yeah, because it's it's really cool. It's a really good thing. Definitely one of the greatest writers of our of our time. I, I think I that agree. as I was reading the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, this thought dawned on me where, you know, I think that oftentimes when when um, people are talking to me and they'll say, if I tell them like oh, I'm working on a book or I'm a writer, then I often get asked like, oh, who are your favorite authors? And I kind of have like a list of people that I'll that I'll um, kind of blurt out because I've gotten that question so often, but. I feel like this this podcast and this show and and us diving into this would put Alan Moore on, on that list. One of my he favorite writers. So. Yeah. Like of all, so. of all time. I mean, he's yeah. he's that good, he's that interesting. Um and so this is just I mean, reading The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is what, like watching Tom Brady play another football game. It's just you're watching the goat. You're just <laughs> the goat. So you're you're expecting for greatness and he never disappoints. He always shows up and yeah. you know, he's 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 great. Yeah. I'm curious, Zach. You're you're somebody. Obviously, we were all very passionate about Watchmen, and we all delve into it. But I feel like you got the deepest in there with watching the movie seven times with your friends and family, and and just how much you like enjoyed the book. And I actually borrowed it from you to read it. So you obviously you love it. What what would you put in comparison between this and *Leave of Strange Gentlemen* and *Watchmen*? Like, I, I know *Watchmen* is probably what he's known for the most and is legendary. But like, did you notice any differences? Any contrast? Do you think it was way in a completely different league? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think League League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is a lot sillier. As as weird as that sounds, I think um, the Invisible Man. There's a lot of kind of silly moments, kind of one-liner type of type of moments for me. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that Watchmen, to me, from the very beginning, was very like dramatic and kind of serious. It's like kind of slower paced and darker, you know. And I yeah. felt like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was like faster moving. There was like more action, and um, there was like you know, although there was dark times, I think that you know, it was just different paced like that. Um, obviously, the art style. I think the art style was very kind of um, steampunk, uh, as as uh, Jr. mentioned. Um, and to me, I didn't feel like the stakes were ever as high in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. For some reason, I, I felt like in in Watchmen. Um, they were dealing with like nuclear war, like this this fucking world-ending threat. And in League, I, I I felt like you know the stakes were high, like but they were just kind of this this ship, and they were gonna bomb you know this part of London, and it just seemed to me, although there although it was similar because it's kind of that assemble your team type of thing, right? Um, yeah. on both both sides, so there there is that similarity. But overall, I think the biggest thing to me is the pace. The pace of the stories are different. League is faster. It's faster and it moves and it moves through different things and it doesn't take as much time to like uh, dive as deep into each scene. It's just like you know, bang, 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 bang. This is the story. Whereas I think Watchmen moves slower and it lets you kind of uh, see all, all the things around you and dive deeper into the characters until and all the way to the end. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah, Jr. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I agree with all of it. The only thing I could say is the Watchmen made me sad, you know, like reading it. 
Like, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. much more of a sad story compared to the league. I mean, the league was like, it's just an, it is an action adventure with the the grotesque villains. I mean, there wasn't nothing sad about it. Like, um, I mean, you had aliens come in, the, and and like the Doctor Mar- the island of Doctor Maru story was always sad to read. So wa- reading that portion in or looking at that portion in the book was like very inhumane as well. That was uh, almost humorous. That, yeah, that, it's that humorous. Part, I thought they were like. It just like, have wasn't... you seen that South Park episode with like the critters, like, the, little, <laughs> the woodland creatures are all happy, and then all of a sudden their eyes turn red. And they fucking like kill yeah. kids and everything. Like that's what it reminded me. I of. I just it just um because the Island of Doctor Moreau is one of the most saddest stories because of all the like the way they experiment and he Doctor Moreau was trying to you know change like he was so fat he needed to like um he was he didn't care about what he was doing or the consequences he just cared about his his results basically of his testing and his, and of what he wanted to accomplish. He didn't care what the astronomical yeah. uh, repercussions were. Um, and but, just so Zach, Zach knows he's, he's in volume two. He's a doctor that tries to create hybrids between animals and humans. Yeah. Mm. So he does experiments on these animals and these humans and creates these fucking like creatures basically. Yeah. They're like, and they walk around and there's actually a movie with it. Val Kilmer's in there. And then, then obviously the old story, the old book, but um, that it, it just was like you said it was like almost humorous it's a sad thing that he was doing it but in Watchmen you're literally you're like everything was sad about it you know every character had a sad moment every you know situation was I mean even the ending of that book you're like man that's a lot of sacrifice for one thing when people could just communicate better <laughs> or something you know yeah. it was <laughs> just super yeah. sad so I, I agree I mean there, it was just it's just sadder and A League was more of an action book than anything I agree with that. I think that the league is like what would have been Watchmen if it was the origin story, like when they assembled, like all the excitement, all the fun, all the new. Yeah. And Watchmen is kind of like they've been assembled for a while. Now they're dis, they're dis in, uh, disassembled, and now they're like trying to pick up the pieces of what society is. So it's like much more gloomy look on the as opposed right. to all the excitement and the entry entry level shit. And I also think it's a lot deeper um, from a philosophical standpoint. Like Watchmen, we had all these theories. And all these like philosophies, and then League of Strange Gentlemen is like pretty much get what you get. And, yeah, and I think yeah, that there is, there's probably a lot of um, literary references that I miss personally because I don't think that I know every single part about those characters' backgrounds. And they and like um, they made a uh, sorry, I gotta let my dog out of the room. They uh, they made like I, I was reading up online, and like there's like this like essay that's like 5,000 words on the first 12 pages of League of Strange Gentlemen. And I was just like, what? And I like, like, there's just all these literary references to the Victorian era and all these fantastical books that these characters are from that I know I missed. And I just, I don't have the strongest literary background. So like, I feel like I took League um, more at face value than I did at War Watchmen. Like I didn't dive too deep outside of like society and the darkness and everything with Griffin and everything. But like, I just feel like there's a lot more that I missed on League that I would have to only way I'd understand is if I read through all the original storylines. Yeah, mm-hmm. th- that's a lot, a lot of work to do. Which that is, is ma- yeah, uh, and maybe one day we'll we'll get into it. I mean, for me, I, I I would just love to read those books just to kind of like put a notch in my bed, kind of you know, like. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Zach <laughs> uh, Zach read Twenty Leagues, and his favorite character was Nemo. Yeah, like, I couldn't yeah. even read that. Yeah, so it makes sense. Um, I think eventually, uh, it was. I think when we took this project on, I think. We were under the stand, uh, under like it, it was just another collection of like uh, 
collection team kind of slash action comic book, I think. Which you know, we've, like, we've, we've done this before. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we've seen that yeah. before. Yeah, and I think we were just – plus it's Alan Moore, so you knew you were going to get beautiful words and you knew you were going to get really creep, creepy words. And um, the more you – particularly you guys listening to you guys talk about the book and the things that I've missed and the things that I misunderstood about it and the things that like – there's like a whole other li- – it's like the Lord of the Rings. Like you ju- you're not – like the three books are not just the, the three books or the one book or whatever, you know. Like there's yeah. a whole other world. There's layers. Oh, there's so much. There's like another, I forget the count, but it was like something astronomical. It's like they've got really like this whole other like life to it. And this book has the same thing. And that is a a project that we did not anticipate, which is something I think eventually we'll do because it's we got to be cool. We got to be pros. Right. But Mm -hmm. as for now, I think we, we just skimmed it and maybe we'll do like a part two or part three or something for it. Yeah, I definitely think that the one thing about League that uh, I will say is that there's so many layers to it. And with Watchmen, like, I did such a deep – I think we all did such a deep dive. And with League, like, I I think you need more than – you know, you need to just be like, all right, I'm going to study League for like a month. And then, you know, go into all these other characters and go into all these other backstories to make sure that we catch everything. Because um, I do agree there's like a ton of layers to League. But I think that overall League League is – just faster pace. I think we're all kind of hitting it, which is faster pace than Watchmen. Uh, yeah. And it has similarities, but it's also very different. Right. I think it's more uh, easy. Like, it's, like, a more attractive to the non-comic fan. You know, I think that... Watch, um, yeah, dude. I, who who would you ever be like, oh, you don't like comics? Oh, you never read one? Okay, well, here's this book. It's called Watchmen. I think you're really <laughs> going to love it. It's like, <laughs> what, dude? That's a terrible idea. You're going to freaking turn them off of comics for the rest of their life. Watchmen is like the IPA of comics. You know what I mean? Like, you got to work your way up to that. You can't just dive into Watchmen and think that that's going to be cool. Whereas League is more, much more like a logger. Oh! <laughs> Dos Equis. Full circle! <laughs> Buy your Dos Equis here. This is the whole thing is a Dos Equis commercial. You're welcome. <laughs> Most interesting men in the world. We are the most interesting heroes in the world. All right, so let's give it. Let's give it our rankings. Uh, Jr., what do you got out of ten? Uh, out of ten, I'm gonna give it a seven. I mean, um, the reason I'm gonna give Damn. it a seven, one because it's it's Alan Moore. Uh, but if I'm gonna compare it to all the readings that we've done and all the things I've read as a kid, um, uh, I didn't fly through it as fast as I would like to. Because I wasn't like stuck to it, you know what I mean? Like Watchmen, I was stuck to it. Um, yeah. Uh, some mm, of the other stories good, that I read, like it, it was hard to put down. Yeah. Um, it was still a great story, so I think Alan Moore always deserves a above average type of rating. Um, but a seven. Um, I did like the art, which is something that I wasn't when I first I picked this book up many years ago to because it I'd seen the movie right, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna read this book. And I looked at the art, and I, I totally gave it that cover judgment. You know, I was like, man, that art's not good. I'm not going to read that. And obviously, when I read through it, I was totally mistaken. So, I mean, the art was better than I thought. Um, but, yeah, a seven just because, uh, um, I mean, it just – it didn't make me, like – didn't take me to the land of, you know, I guess imagination. I mean, I really loved the 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 Veil – storyline that was i felt that was better than the like more intriguing than the story itself but that's just i mean it was good i mean it wasn't bad i think i think you really hit the nail on the head jr when you said that i wasn't stuck to it but i was yeah. stuck to the watchman 
yeah. I think that we can all relate to times where we've been on this show and we've read stuff and we've just felt like, you know, irregardless of whether we're doing an episode on this or not, uh, we're hitting, like, we are going to be reading this. We can't put it down. Um, and The Watchmen was that for me. I mean, um, Reborn was that for me. Saga was that for me. Yeah, those are good um, stuff. That This was not that for me. I, yeah. I, I actually agree with JR. I think it was good. And Alan Moore, I think, it deserves, I agree, of um, better than average rating. But um, I wasn't blown away. I wasn't blown away. I just, I felt like it was kind of interesting. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm right around the same area as you, JR. I'll, I'll give it a 7.5. Um, it was good. I wasn't stuck to it, though. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say 7.5, too. I think that it was, uh, like, Watchmen, but not as... I don't know. It didn't didn't capture me, so I guess like it didn't. I wasn't stuck to it. I think that makes sense. And I thought that the characters were awesome. I thought that I, I kind of lost interest towards the end of volume one when they went big with the whole showdown. Like none of them really showed off their their prowess or their powers besides Nemo. I mean, he went ham, but like everything else is just kind of it all blurred together. And then I feel mm-hmm. like I really enjoyed volume two a little more just because you know bringing the aliens and like bringing how they attack this from like a ground level is just really interesting to me and. And how dark it got at certain points was was really cool. So I think it's definitely Alan Moore. It's definitely a book you need to read if you if you enjoy Alan Moore and you enjoy comic books. But um, I don't think it's his greatest work. I mean, Watchmen's it's just hard to compete. And then the movie is like a fucking negative trash. six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one star, star one star trash can. One yeah. star, hundred percent, hundred percent. But all right, yeah, I think that's uh, that's all I gotta say. Do you guys have anything you want to add before we close out? Um, that's uh, all. That's all I got. Yeah, that's it. Most interesting men in the world. Always a pleasure. Yeah, drink on. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you all next week. All right. Peace. Bye.